Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Angelus Taylor, Michael, how you doing tonight, bro? Man, it is so good to be back. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have you on, bro. I know God is doing, I love you to share some of the stuff you're seeing happen online, some of the in-person services, but you are definitely one of these end time digital revivalists that God is raising up. God is doing something very special in your ministry. I know there's a lot of new people that maybe don't know you. Maybe it's their first time being exposed to your ministry. I would love for you, man. Just share about what you've been doing, share some of your testimony and just let it rip, man. Just go for it. For anybody that's new, if you didn't watch our last episode on holiness, I encourage you after this, make sure you go tap into that. It's a powerful one. And I share my whole testimony on there for the most part. But my story is I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know all the Christianese. I didn't know all the slang. I I didn't know all that stuff. I didn't go to Bible camp. I didn't experience any of that. I grew up in a very broken home. Uh, My dad was like an abusive alcoholic. He was just lost. The devil had a hold on him. And I didn't grow up like most Christians grow up in the Sunday school atmosphere. But when I got to college, God captivated my heart. I ended up getting a football scholarship. I grew up in California. And this football scholarship brought me out to the Midwest. If anyone's ever been to the Bible Belt or to the Midwest, it's actually like original America back there. They still believe in God and God found principles and everything having to do with going to church, even though a lot of it's religious, there is still a holiness atmosphere to it. And it created an atmosphere for me to get touched by the Lord. So I ended up at a, at a Christian college, believe it or not, as a total atheist. I didn't even believe in God, but I went on a football scholarship to a Christian college. And my third year into the college, I had a supernatural encounter with the Spirit of God. I sat in the, in the back of this worship service that my friend had begged me to go to. And I just sat back there like a big tough jock. I didn't talk to anybody. I sat in the back. There was like 13 people there. And as I was sitting back there, the power of God fell on me in the back of the room. No one was looking. Nobody, no one had any idea what was going on, but the power of God hit me. And all of a sudden it was like everything that I'd ever been told in the world about God that wasn't real became very real, very quick. The Bible became real. Jesus became real. Everything about the fact that there really is a God and he really wants to change your life became real to me. And I got radically flipped upside down. My entire life became revival. I got pulled out of drug addiction, out of alcoholism, out of messing around in the world. And I got, so here it is in Revelation chapter three, the Bible says Jesus is speaking to the church of Lady Osea. And he says, I'd rather you be cold or I'd rather you be hot because when you're lukewarm and you're just Sitting on a pew, I'll spit you out of my mouth. But if you get set on fire for God, then he's all about it. And that's what happened to me. I went from cold to hot like that, man. The spirit of God came on me. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and my life was never the same. Totally set free from anything sexual, all lust. Like there's a lot of people, you're listening to me right now. This is what revival looks like. Revival is you getting set free from pornography. You getting set free from daddy issues. You getting set free from depression. All that junk that held me back when I was younger, eliminated with one encounter with God. He took it all away. Jesus said it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy your destiny. But he has come to give you life and life abundant. When you plug in with Jesus, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that's the story of my life. And ever since then, it's just been revival. I mean, I started running to Walmart, praying for the sick people in Walmart. I started leading people to Jesus in the restaurant. I mean, I'd ask for an extra side of sweet fries, tip 
waiter like a hundred bucks just to get them to give their life to Jesus. And just, and they would weep, you know, it's like everywhere I went, I carried the fire of heaven with me. And that's what'll happen to you tonight. If you're plugging into this live stream, if you grew up or maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you've been plugged in recently, the number one question that I get asked is how do I know my calling? How do I know my purpose? What do I do for God in this life? Tonight is going to be the night that you find out what it is that God's put you on this earth to do, and you're going to go for it full force. There's nothing that you can do in the kingdom of heaven that'll ever be small. God doesn't create people to do small things. God created every kid with a predestined plan, just like he said to the prophet Jeremiah, that I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God knows you. He knew you before he put you in your mother's womb, and he knew the plans that he had for you, plans for a hope and for a future to prosper you never to harm you. God has a solid purpose for your life. And he showed me how to find mine through the word of God, first and foremost, and through prayer and through plugging in with other successful people that are where I want to be. So that's a brief recap of what it is that God's done in my life just in the past four and a half years. So good, bro. And I think what you're saying hits home to so many people because many of us were raised or not raised in a church or maybe you weren't in church and you never really thought that God was alive, that God was real, that God can really touch you. I remember the first night that I encountered God, that was actually the night God revealed, you're not going to do law enforcement, you're going to do kingdom enforcement, you're going to be a preacher, I'm going to use you to preach my gospel. And up until that moment, I was raised up until the age of about 16 in church, I stopped going, and I never knew you could really encounter God. I never knew. And listen, there's some of you watching, and I feel the Holy Ghost so strong tonight, there's some of you watching, and you don't realize that God can reveal His divine purpose for your life today that there's nobody there's 2200 people and not one of you don't have a calling not one of you have just no purpose like I, i'm just here but i don't really have a destiny i don't really have a calling every single one of you has a specific destiny and a specific calling on your life and until you find that you're going to live your life randomly you're going to live if you don't understand that you were created on purpose for purpose by purpose then you're going to live your life on accident you're going to live your life wandering you're going to go from come on chat help me preach relationship to relationship you're going to go from job to job you're going to go from guy to guy girl to girl place to place college to college always changing your major always changing your mind always going from this to this because you're wandering aimlessly in a sea of seven billion people but when you tap into the god that the Bible says formed you. David said, every day has been written in your book before I was even an embryo, before I was in my mother's womb, before I was a fetus, you have a book about my life. And friend, I came to prophesy, and tonight is just a prophetic night, we're just preaching fire here. I came to prophesy over you that your story doesn't end in depression, that your story is not the story of anxiety, of fear, of depression, of suicide, of envy, of catastrophe and trauma but the bible says that it is the lord that is the author and the finisher of our faith so it's it's god that's writing your story this is the supernatural life bro you're on this life and i'm on this life and every day i'm like lord what are you going to do today i'm on this supernatural journey i'm on this supernatural path and this is what happens when you take the pen p-e-n from the enemy's hand and put it in the hand of god and say lord i'm fully surrendering to you this is a major component, bro, that I see a lot of people don't realize until you fully surrender, you cannot you cannot walk out your true God-given destiny. Until Christ becomes alive in you, you die to self, you're going to live your life on this pursuit looking for something to fill your void, 
looking for something to satisfy. And the book of Haggai, the Bible talks about how the people were, you know, they were not following God. They were not serving God. They were putting God on the back burner. And the Lord speaks to the prophet and says, you're going out and you you say, now's not the time to rebuild the house, Lord. Now's not the time to serve God. And some of you keep putting God off and you're like, now's not the time. And the prophet speaks and the Lord says, my house is lying in ruins while you build your life. And many of you are build, busy building your calling and not fulfilling the calling that God has on your life. And he says, because of that, he says, you put money in holes that have pockets. You constantly put on clothing, but you're always, you never get warm. You're drinking, but you're always thirsty. You're eating, but you're always hungry. You're never satisfied. No matter what you try to do, I'm preaching to somebody, you're never satisfied. There's not that deep satisfaction because you're not living out your God-given purpose. And we're here to tell you that tonight, God wants to reveal destiny to you. That tonight, God wants to reveal purpose to you. And I remember my life when God said, give me everything. I had to first lay everything down before I can follow Jesus. And we always say, oh, God's going to give you your calling. Like, once I get my calling, then I'm going to be radical for God. Come on, chat. Where are you tonight? Once I get my calling, then I'm going to be radical. And that's not how it works. You have to say yes to God, and then God releases destiny. It's when you start repenting turning from your wicked ways don't wait around your flesh is never going to want to do it you got to stop waiting around and you got to submit yourself this is the life of consecration the life of holiness and then god begins to reveal himself to you through that consecration that's right it's funny that you say that like the surrendering the yielding i every person i've ever talked to that's walked into what it is that god has for their life all have the same story where they all know that there was a day there was an hour there was a moment in their life where they said, I laid down my desires. Like Catherine Kuhlman used to say, I've died a thousand deaths where you wake up every day and you're willing to die to yourself to pick up your cross and follow what it is that God has for your life. It was the same way with me. There came a point a number of years ago where I remember, and sorry for the graphics, I was in the shower and I was actually praying. I was at a broken time in my life, but I just given my life to Christ and I realized that my way was not the way. It was not going to work the way that I was doing things. And I remember breaking down in that shower and saying, God, I give it up. I'll lay down this relationship. I'll lay aside these friendships. I'll even separate from my family if that's what it takes to step into what it is that you have for my life. And I felt the power of God hit me again. And from that day forward, it was like every fiber in my being knew what it was that I was supposed to do. I knew that I was an evangelist. I knew I was called of God to bring people out of darkness into light. I knew that I was called to go out there and bring sinners to repentance. But it wasn't until, just like you said, it wasn't until I made that decision to actually fully surrender. That's faith. Faith is actually, it's not believing what it is that you see. It's seeing what you believe. That's what Catherine Kuhlman used to say. And here's the cool thing. People, in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people destroy themselves because of a lack of knowledge. See, the devil's not the one who's responsible for destroying you if you know your authority in the kingdom. He's underneath your feet. How can you fight something that's underneath your feet? But actually, God's people tend to destroy themselves because of a lack of knowledge. That we might not know what God's word says. We might not know what it is that the Spirit of the Lord is saying as to where it is that we're being called. But in Romans chapter 8, it says, all of those that are led by the Spirit of God 
are sons and daughters of God. When you make a decision in your heart and in your mind to say, I yield to the Spirit of God to be led by His Spirit, you will step into your calling and it'll be so easy because it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by God's Spirit, says the Lord. So when you take that back seat and you say, Holy Ghost, I'm letting you drive this thing. He'll take you exactly where it is determined to go according to the will of God. And I think about it. The devil, if he could have his perfect will for your life, I truly believe this. He wouldn't have you doing heroin on the streets or hanging out in the strip clubs. If the devil could have his perfect will for your life, it would be for you to think that the pastor at the pulpit has a calling, but you're meant to just own a nice house with a picket fence and to warm a pew for the rest of your life. That is not God's calling for your life. And it's not just a man at a microphone. It's not just the guy behind a camera. It's not just these men and women of God that you see the superstars in the faith. They're not the only ones that are working in the power of God. You have a calling just like that. Think about Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. It names off all these people that God used greatly, but not the only ones in the Bible. God used many other people in the Bible. They just didn't happen to make the hall of faith. God has a very specific plan for your life, and tonight you're going to step into it probably for the first time. If not, I genuinely believe you're going to take it to a whole nother level in the mighty name of Jesus. So good, and I think one of the major problems we have in the church or people maybe in the chat are like, why can I find my destiny? Is because we're so focused on not only telling people, but all we really worry about in the church is figuring out where we're going to go when we die. And so we're not telling people what are they supposed to do on earth? And if our mindset, if the gospel we preach is only about where do you go when you die and not the kingdom of God on earth, then the best thing that could happen to us is we would die tonight. That would be the absolute best thing. But understand that Jesus did not die so that we can warm a pew, be Christian robots, and then someday go to heaven. Now, is heaven a promise? Absolutely. Did Jesus defeat death, hell, and the grave? Absolutely. But the Bible says Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, Jesus said, I have something for you to do in this short time span. I have a purpose and a destiny for you on this earth. Jesus actually brought a kingdom. He brought a lifestyle. He brought something for you to do on this earth. So understand if you're taking notes, there's something for you to do right now. It's not just when I die, I'm going to go to heaven and float around one day and praise and worship and sing. And all those things are great. I, bro, I can't wait to die. Honestly, I can't wait to be before God. Paul said, I want to die now, but I'm going to stay because you guys need me to preach. That's what Paul said. He's like, I long to be with the Lord, but you have to understand there's a destiny right now. And as, as my brother just said, it's not just living this American nightmare or what we call the American dream of having the nice, this nice, that, but is, are you living out the destiny God called you to live out? We're not talking about career. We're not talking about your, you know, 501k or your 401k or your, you know, whatever it is that you planned up. We are talking about right now. Are you living out the God given destiny? Are you living out the plan that God has for your life? Are you understanding that now is the day? There's more to life. There's more to life. I know everyone's told you this, that all there is life is just going to school getting a car and having some kids. There's more to life than this. Whatever area you're in, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, maybe you're a businessman, maybe you're a police officer. We're not saying you need to be in full-time ministry because you might be a stay-at-home mom and be in full-time ministry and your full-time ministry is raising your kids in Christ. You might be a businessman and you don't understand that you are the pastor 
of your business. Maybe you're a barista. I was a barista when I got saved. I was praying for everybody. I was getting in trouble because I was telling people, bro, all right, pull around. I got to bring your drink out to you. It's not ready yet. And I was going out there so that I could go lay hands on them. So my boss didn't see me praying for people. But understand, I went from making lattes for a paycheck to making lattes to see soul saved. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers. Not You're not going to stop fishing, but now you're going to fish for men. So there's a direct calling. There's a direct specific purpose for your life. Now, everyone, I want to say this, bro, and then I'll tag you in here in a second. Everybody has a general calling. So if you're in this broadcast and you say, Isaiah, you guys aren't being specific. What is my calling? We all have a general calling. So this doesn't matter who you are. We've all been enlisted to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, the word commission is co-mission. Understand that your coworker is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. He's going to empower you. He's going to comfort you. Not, he's not going to make you comfortable. He's going to comfort you because the life I've called you to live is an uncomfortable life, but the Holy Spirit is going to bring you comfort. So he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be co-laboring. He's the co-laborer, he's our attorney, he's our co-worker, and he's gonna help you fulfill the commission. So every believer is called to fulfill the great commission, every disciple. So you're not by yourself in this, you're not alone. Well, brother, my parents aren't saved, my kids aren't saved, my husband's not saved, my girlfriend's not saved, whatever it is, but guess what, you got the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Spirit with you. He's your advocate, the Bible says. He's your paraclete. He's your power source. He's the one working with you. And so in him working with you, this is your general calling. Preach the gospel according to the word of God. Heal the sick, drive out demons, baptize people, raise the dead, and make disciples. Those are the six things every believer is called to do. Now, if you want to find your specific calling, maybe the Lord tonight will reveal that to you. Maybe the Lord will reveal it in a vision, in a dream, uh, he'll come to you and tell you, or it'll, he'll unravel it, he'll unveil it like revelation where you start seeing it as your life goes. You take one step, he shows you the next. But understand, as a believer, these, th these six things are a great place to start. Start sharing your faith. Start laying hands on your sick. This is what he sent the disciples to do, and you're called to do this as a believer. Now, let me just say this. You don't need a special anointing to do this. You don't need a special gifting to do this. There's no one that's gifted, like I have a special gift where I could baptize people, or I have a special gift where I could raise the dead. This is the mandate for every single believer. And let me just say this, and I know some people are going to manifest here when I say this, you don't need God to tell you to do these things. So you're just like, Lord, I'm waiting on you to re reveal this to me that I need to go pray for the sick or give me this divine download to go preach to my family or to my cousin or to my coworker or like, Lord, lead me to baptize someone, lead me to make a disciple. He doesn't need to lead you. It's already written in the Bible. He's already written this. And all of these watered down, weak, powerless pastors that keep telling you, oh, you know, if God wants to heal, he'll just heal. And if God wants to deliver, he'll just do it. And if God wants to do this, no, no, you've been anointed. Come on, I'm preaching right to you tonight. You've been anointed and you've been called to do this work. You don't need it. That's why in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, observe everything I've commanded of you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus didn't say, wait. He didn't say, invite them to church. He said, go, go, go. Bro, you're going on TikTok. You're reaching millions. You're going. Where are people right now? 
on TikTok. It's the biggest social media platform, like 3 billion users or whatever, some crazy a month. And that's where the world's at. They're sitting there on their phone scrolling and you're going to them and you're preaching to them and you're casting out demons and you're healing the sick. So this is the call, the general call. So don't get up here and say, I still don't know my calling and you guys are at the, you guys are preaching. No, this is your general calling is to do what Jesus did. Now, Jesus said this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. When is Jesus with us? When we're doing what he said to do. So don't be mad that Jesus is not showing up in your life when you're not doing what he's called you to do. He didn't say if you're on Netflix all day, I'll be with you. Or if you're on Instagram all day, or if you're out doing your hobbies, I'll be with you. He said, if you do what I've called you to do, which is the six things I mentioned, preach the gospel, heal the sick, drive out demons. Well, what if I'm a doctor? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, drive out demons. What if I work at Starbucks? Preach the gospel, heal the sick. What if I'm a stay-at-home mom? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. It doesn't matter where you are. This is your calling. And Jesus said, I'll be with you always when you're doing these things. That's when I'm going to be with you. I'm going to accompany you when you're doing these things. So I think, I think, bro, a lot of people have tried to avoid doing these things. They think it's like, I have to be a superstar Christian or a superstar believer or some pastor or some leader in another country. But understand there's 2,600 of you, every single one of you, get this through your head, have been anointed, have been called. Now, me and my brother, we've realized this. We've realized we're called to do this and we're doing it. But it's not just us. We don't want to be the only ones. We need every believer to go forth and, and fulfill the Great Commission by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah, and I mean, the call is general. It doesn't say these signs will follow evangelists or pastors or teachers. These signs will follow them that believe. All you got to do is believe God at his word and walk it out. And I have a feeling there's even people on here right now that you actually might know what God's called you to do, but you're actually in disobedience right now, that you haven't mm. stepped into it through because of fear, because of just strict disobedience, because maybe you've put your will first or confusion. God doesn't bring confusion. The devil brings confusion. If you're confused whether or not you are to step into what God has for you, get rid of that. It, I rebuke that spirit of confusion because everybody is called to something. Abraham was called to father many nations. Moses was called to liberate the Israelites. Joshua was called to bring the Israelites into the promised land. Think about it. God has a specific plan for you. And yeah, the general is preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. We know that. So how do we get it a little bit more narrow? I want to give you guys advice that really helped my life. Because the thing is, is like I said earlier, those that are sons and daughters of God, they're led by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit, just like Isaiah was saying, will lead you into what it is that God has for you. But there is a funny quote that Todd White used to say. He said, if you want to feel led, put a little bit of lead in your pocket and feel led. You don't have to feel led to go do the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a requirement. It's actually the base standard. That's our requirement as Christians. But if you want to be led by the Spirit to get deeper, this is how I can help you to refine it. And it helped me to refine it in my own life. There's a couple things you have to address. You have to remember the world is going to get you to focus on your weaknesses. The Bible never tells you to focus on your weaknesses. God said, I'm made strong in your weakness. Paul said, in my weakness, he is made strong. So you don't have to focus on your weakness. That's actually where God shows up the most. 
Focus on the grace that's been put into your life. In Romans chapter 12, you see the different the different service gifts, as we call them, prophecy, leadership, serving people, teaching. You do each one of these gifts, and you can write that down, Romans chapter 12. Go find out where you've been gifted by the grace of God. It says, identify these things by the grace put on your life. For example, me, I noticed at a very young age that there's a grace on my life to be a leader and to lead with zeal. So just like Isaiah said, I grabbed the reins on that and I just went for it. I was like, all right, if I'm going to be a leader, I'm going to be out in front no matter what. I might not always know what's coming. There might be obstacles, but I also know that God's words in my mouth will cause any mountain to move. And I just trusted God and I believed him at his word and I went for it. Go identify what the grace is that's on your life. What are you good at? What do you have a desire in your heart to do for the kingdom of God? Do you like seeing sinners come to repentance and be born again? Maybe you have the call of an evangelist. But I also want to clear this up. There's uh, there's been this this often misconception in the church where everybody feels like they might be called into the fivefold. No, 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 no. Just because you love people or just because you want to see people born again, it doesn't mean that you're an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. It is very evident when somebody is in the fivefold ministry because you will see them go above and beyond what the average person, and I don't mean average as in a, in a demeaning way, but they go far beyond in the ministry gifts than anybody else. For example, not everybody runs on the TikTok in six months and gets over a million followers to bring them to Christ. That is the mantle of an evangelist. That's just what God's put on my life. That's grace. So find out where God has graced you. If God has graced you to be an amazing mother, focus on that. Focus on what you love. Focus on your strength. Focus on what God put inside of you. Because when you plug in with God, he puts those desires in your heart. If you focus on that, don't focus on your weaknesses. God will take care of that. Focus on what God's put inside of you. So that's one practical step. Another practical step is find out what you love to do in the spirit. What I mean is find out the spiritual gifts that you like to function in. For me, I love in 1 Corinthians 12, the nine spiritual gifts, you can go read them. I love to function in the gift of healing, the word of knowledge, miracles. That It just puts a fire in my blood when I see people get out of wheelchairs. So I seek after those things because what that will do is it'll keep you on fire. It'll make sure that you don't burn out like a log. When you're actually doing something that you love and you actually enjoy it, it's because God put that inside of you to seek after it. It's actually a hint toward you. Find out what God has put inside of your heart. And if you're saying, Talon, I don't know if there's anything. Take time in the secret place and seek God. Say, God, I know that you'll put desires in my heart to go do what it is that you've called me to do. I ask for your direction and the Bible remains true. Those that are the sons and daughters of God, they will be led by the Spirit of God. Find out what God has in store for your heart and run after it with all of your heart. Because remember, the Bible doesn't say that all of your rewards are only in heaven. This life, once you become a Christian, believe it or not, some people, oh, religious people are not going to like this, but I'm going here. <laughs> when when you become a born-again Christian, this life is abundant. Are, is suffering going to happen? Absolutely. Are trials going to come? Absolutely. But you've been given the manual and the answers to every test in life. What does that mean? This whole life, like Isaiah was saying, we only get 70 to 80 years to choose Christ. 
In those 70 to 80 years, you get to choose Christ and your life is based on a reward system. You get rewarded in heaven and in this life, even for giving somebody a cold drink of water. So when you make that determination and you say, God, I'm going for the rewards, even if it's the crown of a martyr, if it's the crown of righteousness, you go for those rewards that God has for you. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, you'll be rewarded in the life to come and in this life will you be persecuted absolutely but you'll also be rewarded when you seek god in the secret place and you find out what he has for your life go after it like nothing else matters and watch how god will just pull these things into your life and the grace will actually increase and you'll just see doors open you'll, it'll be like the floodgates of heaven open in your life and god will show up on the scene because just like isaiah said the Bible doesn't say those that hang out in their basement, Jesus will be among them. He says, where two or three are gathered, there I will be in their midst. God intends for you to be with people, to go out there and bring the gospel to people that need to hear it. All you got to do is find your lane. So those are some practical tips. I hope that helps at least one person on here. <laughs> so good. And I wanted to talk about too, some hindrances to finding your calling. And here's the number one, bro. And I've got, I went through this for years when I first got saved, when I was traveling and preaching is... The, tr the trap of comparison. This is the number one hindrance, guys, to your destiny, to your God-given calling. Because if the devil can get you thinking somebody else's calling is your calling, you'll never fulfill the God-given destiny. I remember this is just being transparent as possible. I would hear preachers at conferences in my early days, and this was like years into preaching and traveling, and I would think like, if I could only preach like them, if I could only talk like them, if I could only minister like them, if I could just have a platform like them, if I could only be this way, and I would literally try, like if I say God a certain way, if I, you know, preach a certain way, if I do a certain thing, and I was so bad at it, it was so dry. Anytime I tried to preach someone else's message or somebody else's style or somebody else's idea, it was dry, it was dead, nothing would happen, no miracles, no power of God, and I realized that the devil wants you to compare your calling to others peop other people's calling. But what you need to understand is you've been called for the purpose that God has for you. So when I preach, you know, there's times where I'm like, man, God, could I just be a little bit nicer? You know, like I was just preaching this last Sunday, I preached four times, different message pretty much each service, and there were some moments where I was like, man, this is kind of hard. Like I was going at it like, guys, we got to go all in. It was all biblical, but it was just strong. It was strong preaching. And today I was reflecting on it. I was like, man, I was like really preaching strong. And God said, Isaiah, I've called you to wake up the church. Like, don't forget 10 years ago, guys, when God called me, he said, I'm calling you to wake up my church. I was an atheist. Like, bro, you were too. We were atheists. Think about this. And God, the creator of the universe said, I need you. I'm calling you. I'm your purpose is to wake up the church. Your purpose is now alarm clocks are not nice. It's not like wake up. They're not soothing. They're loud. Come on, help me as my veins pop out here. They're loud. They're obnoxious. They're repetitive, yep. but their job is to wake people up. And so I'm not trying to get, I don't need more friends y'all. I don't need, I got four little girls that love me just enough. I don't, I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm here to wake you up. We are here to blow the trumpet and sound the alarm. And so it might hurt. It might, it might not be nice. When the angel woke up Peter when he was about to get killed in prison, the Bible says the angel slapped Peter. He smacked Peter. He wasn't like, Peter, wake up. It's time to wake up. And some of you, you want nice preachers to wake you up, and they're not going to. 
You need someone that's going to come in with a strong word like tonight and say, get up off your lazy tail and do what God has called you to do. Because you have enough guys petting you. You have enough guys telling you that you're awesome and God wants to give you a new 5 Series BMW and God wants to bless you and bless you and love you and love you. Bro, if you would have told me when I was an atheist, God loved me, I would have been like, cool, I love me more. I love me too. Like, I needed someone to shake me up, rattle my cage yeah. and be like, you're going to go to hell. And so I really believe this comparison. I got stuck in this for so long. Like, I got to preach like this guy. Like, I don't preach with notes, right? And I, I tried one time. My uncle, who's my pastor... I was like, please let me preach with notes. So much easier. Like everybody else is doing it. I want to do so bad. And this was like, I was probably three years into preaching. And he's like, go ahead. He finally gave me permission because he would never let me. He's like, no, God's anointed you a certain way. Just preach the word of the Lord. Like it's a special thing God's done for you. Like do what God's called you. And dude, I flopped like a fish out of water. It was the worst, driest sermon. I kept going back to my notes. I was fumbling over my words. I had them put the scripture on screen. By the time they put it up there, I was already three verses later. It was a, it was a, it was a, a youth event. It was an absolute disaster. But then I realized like, I'm trying to do what everybody else is doing, not what God has called me to do. So if God has called you to preach on miracles, don't let crusty religious people tell you, well, brother, you need to also preach on this and this and this. Do what God has called you to do. If God's called you to start a homeless ministry, don't stress out about the fact that you're not baptizing people. Paul said, I didn't come to baptize people. Like, I'm, that's, that's not what I'm doing. So if God's called you to do deliverance ministry, don't stress out if you're not out feeding the poor. The disciples said, we don't even have time to feed the poor. We're going to get people to do that so that we can pray and read the, so that we can be in prayer and be in the word of God. So if you try to do all of these other things, compare yourself, like I want to preach like Isaiah or I want to preach like Taylor or I want to be a big on TikTok. There's a good chance it's going to be unsuccessful because it's not what God has called you to do. So stop trying to be someone you're not called to be and stop comparing yourself. Like it's absolutely so easy to go on other people's page and be like, man, if I could only have the viewers like he, you don't know what we fight to get to fought to get where we're at. You don't know the time and the, the warfare and the battle and the coming up with content and being in prayer and recording and recording videos and then deleting them. I've deleted bro. So many videos I'll record 15 minutes and I'm like, I didn't like that. It looked bad or I wasn't looking at the camera right. or I didn't preach. I delete, delete. And I'm so hard on myself, but then I'm like, you know what? Other people don't see that. Other people don't see the tiredness, the weariness, you know, the heartache that we have behind the scenes, the warfare that we go through. So be careful when you're comparing or you're trying to be like somebody else when God hasn't given you the grace or the anointing. I think that's, you might want to touch on some other things that are hindrances to our destiny, but that's one of the big ones that you, you're to finding your calling is the trap of comparison. And this goes for marriage. Come on, don't get me started, bro. Cause you're not married. All right. We right. gotta be careful. Cause we, you're, you know, we're single here and we got a bunch of people in the chat here trying to get your number. But I want to say if you're married, the worst thing you can do is compare your marriage to somebody else's because you're up on Instagram. Like, Oh man, he brings her flowers all the time. Number one, he doesn't bring her flowers all the time. She only just posts when he does. Number two, you don't see the battle they go through. You don't see the warfare they go through. You don't see the behind the scenes in Social media, y'all, I don't know if y'all know this, it's fake. It's absolutely fake. We only post our highlights. No one's posting they had a bad day. It's only a highlight reel. It's not the behind the scenes. So stop comparing other people's highlight reels to your day-to-day -day behind the scenes. This is like, we have such a fake culture on social media. We got to get rid of all this and we got to be real in what God has called us to do. And I believe God's going to raise up some authentic ministers. Now I say a bunch of stuff that's just maybe too raw for some people, maybe too real, but here's the thing. I'm authentic. 
there's one thing, bro, no one could ever say about me. No one could ever say I'm fake. No one could ever, because y'all already know I say it how it is. I don't beat around the bush. I'm real. Like the guy that you see on the live stream, if you meet me in person, I'm the same guy. There's no like turning it on and off. And this is really the, the authenticity is one major component into really finding your destiny. Absolutely. I think another hindrance is uh, honestly, and it might sound it might sound like beating a dead horse, but a lack of faith when it yep. comes to believing that God will actually use somebody like like insecurity. I'll put it that way. Kind of like you said, you got to be authentic, but you also have to be secure with yourself. In Isaiah chapter one, verse 19, it says, if you're willing and obedient, mm. then you'll eat of the good of the land. See, you have to be willing to believe that God will even use you. Think about Gideon. Gideon said, I'm the smallest man in my family. My family's the smallest man in my tribe, or smallest family in our tribe, and our tribe is the smallest in all of Israel. I can't be used by God, but what did God say? Gideon, my man of valor, you have to believe that God sees you that way. God doesn't see you as beaten down and broken and Come bruised on, and busted and disgusted. God sees you in the full armor that's spoken of in Ephesians chapter 6. He sees you with the breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel. God sees you as a warrior in the spirit. You must first believe that God will use you. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, listen to what this says. This is huge. This is what you got. You got to let this get into your spirit. And without faith, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to him, which would be include your calling, must believe that he exists, but that he's also a rewarder of those Come that on. diligently seek him. So you have to believe, one, he's the God of the Bible. If he's the God that used Gideon, he's the God that will use me. Number two, that he's a rewarder, meaning he's out for your benefit, to prosper you, not to harm you. God is there to back you up. I use this old saying when I preach, there's a reason why the armor of God is only on your front and not on your back. Because Isaiah 58 verse 8 says that the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You don't need armor on your back. God has your back. You just go forward with what it is that God's called you to do. But this is what faith looks like. If you want to know what faith looks like in your calling, read Matthew chapter 14. When Peter gets out of the boat, it took faith to get out of the boat. He said, if that really is you, Lord, give me the word and then I'll get out of the boat and walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. He spoke one word. If one word out of the mouth of God, and you have hundreds of thousands right here, if one word out of the mouth of God was enough for Peter to walk on the water, you have more than enough here to find out what it is that God's called you to do. Walk on his word. And when you walk on his word, you believe he's a rewarder and you believe that God is for you. And if God is for you, no one can be against you. It doesn't matter. God is for you. Greater is he in you than he who lives in this world. When you get that revelation in your spirit, you'll become unstoppable in the spirit and in the natural life. It'll just flow. Things will just walk in nice and easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You'll just plug in with him and you'll just go for it. But that leads me into something that I really want to hit on because this has been probably, arguably, the most important aspect of my developing life as an evangelist and as a Christian in general. And that is mentorship. 
having a man of God or a woman of God as a head covering for you that you can plug into, that you trust. And Bensonita Hosa, he shook the nation of Nigeria. If you don't know him, you can go look him up. He, he shook the whole nation, turned it into a Christian nation in one lifetime. Unbelievable what God did with that man. But he said something that was powerful. He said, if the person that you're listening to hasn't done what you're attempting to do twice, then don't listen to him. Plug into somebody that has done twice what it is that you're trying to do so that you know that you're seeking after what it is that God's called you to do with good leadership. Mentorship is important. Think about Elisha and Elijah. Elijah throws his cloak onto Elisha and says, follow me. And he follows him. And he walked in the same power. As a matter of fact, he asked for a double portion of the mantle that was on Elijah. And he got the double portion. If you go study the life of Elisha, he did double the miracles that Elijah did in his lifetime. He got an exact double portion of what it is that God put on Elijah's life. Joshua and Moses. You know, Moses was originally called to take the Israelites into the promised land. But he disobeyed. But God already had a plan to raise up Joshua in order to get his people into the promised land. Why? Because in Numbers chapter 14, God said, I like Caleb and I like Joshua. They have a different spirit about them. When the other 10 spies said, nope, we can't take the land, there's giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb said, let us go take it at once for the Lord is with us. God is looking for you to have a different spirit about you, a spirit of faith, because I'll tell you this. Every promised land in your life that God has already given to you will always have giants in it. You will always have the Amalekites there, the Canaanites, the sons of Anak. There will always be giants waiting in front of your promise. But God has already given you the promised land. It's up to you to go walk in it, to go take the land. If God said a thing, he meant it. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he would change his, his, his mind. So God has already spoken that there's promises for you. There's direction for you. There's purpose for you. All you have to do is believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And plug into good mentorship. And I'd actually be curious, Isaiah, I've really wondered, who, who was major leadership in your life? Who were the top mentors that you plugged into to get where you're at today? Yeah, so the biggest one was my uncle, who's also my pastor. I mean, literally, if it wasn't for him, I would not be saved still. I would not be serving God still. He's been there for me. He's done everything, honestly, for me. He was a big big mentor in my life. He still is a spiritual father to me. Um, another one is Bishop Wellington Boone has been huge in my life. Obviously guys that I look up to who's like a spiritual great, great grandfather in our lineage is David Wilkerson. And a lot of the guys I look up to even now are friends of mine. And I still, you know, I look for people that I could learn from, that I could lean on, that I could glean on that are older than me. And that I could learn from in the faith. And guys, you don't have to be best friends with them for them to be a mentor. You could be a mentor. They could be a mentor from you from a distance. They might not even know you or you might not even know them and they can still be considered a mentor or somebody, at least a role model that you would look up to and they can help guide you, steer you. And for me, you know, I could tell you so many times that my uncle would uh, say, don't do this or do this or God is showing me this or showing me that. And I would argue or debate and be like, no, we need to do this. And I could tell you a hundred percent of the time he would always see what I didn't see. So those people in your life that are older than you, that are more seasoned than you, and maybe they're not even older, but they're more spiritually mature than you, they could help see pitfalls in your destiny. Because the devil wants to put traps out. The devil has a calling. The Bible says his plan is to still kill and destroy. He actually has 
a destiny for your life. So you're not only pursuing the destiny or the call of God, but you're also warring against and making sure that you don't give in to the destiny that Satan has for your life. Even right now, like think about this guys, Satan has a plan for me right now. Satan would love more than anything for Isaiah Saldivar to just go out in the world, do something crazy, shut down the ministry, delete my YouTube channel, get off of Facebook and just go ghost and go silent. Like a lot of guys do, a lot of preachers have done this. This is Satan's plan. So he strategizes on how to fulfill his plan. But the greatest thing is the Bible says that the one that lives in me is greater than the one that's in the world. The Bible says I have overwhelming victory, like a hundred points to zero. I have overwhelming victory in Christ. The Bible says I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places far above every power and principality. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ is living on the inside of me. The Bible says that I'm not, I'm not a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. That God has put his spirit on the inside of me to overcome the plans and schemes of the enemy. That I've been anointed to make demons homeless. So I'm not subject to the plan of the enemy. The plans of the enemy are subject to me. Because listen, I ruin the devil's plans every day. I'm, I I know I'm the devil's worst nightmare. I don't walk around like I'm defeated. I don't walk around like, oh, the devil's gonna do this to me. No, I'm gonna do this to the devil. I'm messed with his plans. I'm messing with his callings. I'm interrupting. I've had so many demons speak out to people. We know who you are. You're ruining our kingdom. You're ruining our plans. We can't stand you. I'll be across the country and the demon starts telling me all this stuff about me that no one knows. And we know who you are. That's because I'm bulldozing every morning. Every day I have a bulldozer, the biggest one I could find. And I'm bulldozing Satan's kingdom over to understand there's a war going on. And what mentors or spiritual fathers will do is they'll help guide they'll help steer and they'll point out blind spots now let me tell you what a blind spot is it's something you can't see so when they come to you to mentor you or to correct you don't get mad when we're correcting you tonight for some of you we're your mentors we're your spiritual covering and that's cool but don't get mad at us when we correct you because this is what god has placed us in your life to do to bring correction to point out the blind spots in your life i have to this day my uncle will call me and say don't say this. Don't do that. Don't go. Don't do this. What did you mean here? Correct yourself here all the time because I'm not above reproach. I humble myself. I humble myself. Some of you don't know what that means. That means I let go of my pride. I don't say, oh, I have 186,000 subscribers on YouTube. Start giving all the numbers and you know, I have this many views. No, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He could speak into my life and correct me. Write this down. Correction is not rejection. When your leader or pastors or mentors are correcting you to help you shape your destiny, because God will actually, I'm glad you pointed this out, bro. God will use other people to reveal your destiny. God will use other men and women of God. And God has used me for some of you to speak destiny over you and help carve out the path. Now we're forerunners. The ones that have ran before us are forerunners. We're carving out a path so that when you, God raises you up, you don't have to struggle with what we had to deal with. We're spending all this time battling these religious demons so that I pray one day you would not have to battle them. So if somebody's correcting you, don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't get wounded. Don't get hurt. Understand that they're going to help steer your destiny. Let me add this, bro. Let me just say this too. Every destiny matters. There's no, remember, some people have 10 talents and some people have one talent. Now, don't look at a guy like me or a guy like Taylor that maybe God has given 10 talents or five talents and say, well, I have to have a ministry that size. 
or I have to have a ministry that big or do the, something that significant. Because let me say this, being a stay-at-home mom is just as significant in God's economy than having 186,000 whatever subscribers on YouTube or 1.7 million followers on TikTok. So you don't ha- you don't compare your destiny and think it's less than because it's different than us. The, the goal is to fulfill the destiny God has for you. Because remember, on Judgment Day, according to the parable of the talents, you're going to be responsible by what you've been given, not by what big impact you made or not by you know what exploit you did, but what you did with what you were given. So here's the thing. This might sound mean to you. It's biblical. Some of you only have one talent. You've, you're never going to have a massive ministry. You're never going to be this successful, you know, multi-millionaire business person sowing into God's kingdom. You're never going to have this huge this or huge that or be known. But understand, you've been given a talent and God is making you responsible for the talent you've been given. One of the plans of the enemy is to make you think that your calling doesn't matter. That your calling is insignificant. And I come against that lie from the devil now in Jesus' name. That's a lie from the very depths of hell. Your calling does matter. Maybe your calling is to vacuum the church. Keep the chairs lined up. Have the pastor's towel ready before he preaches. Make sure there's water filled. And you're one of those that you are running and administrating a church of 50 people. You're going to stand on judgment day and God's not going to put you next to Billy Graham and say, well, Billy Graham saw this many and you only stack chairs. No, God's going to say, I gave you one talent. It was to help run this church. And that's what you're responsible to do. So stop, stop with this whole, I'm not as significant of so-and-so because I don't have 50,000 followers. I only have 3000. This is all garbage. It's trash that social media culture has lied to us about. And bro, testify to this because I will right now. I sleep the same when I had 30,000 followers than now having, you know, 500, 600,000. I sleep the same. Now tell me, do you sleep tailing any better now that you have 1.7 million followers? It does nothing, y'all. It does nothing. It means nothing. It's vain. All it is, is more people being reached for the honor and glory of God. That's all it is. And that's what we're looking to do. So don't fall into this trap. Let these spiritual mentors and spiritual, really they're spiritual guides that God has given you to help guide you spiritually. Spirit guides are not created of the devil. Spiritual guides are not created of the devil. These are men and women of God. God's put in our life to help guide us spiritually. And the devil's taken that and he makes, you know, gurus and spirit guides. That's all demonic. But God says, I want spiritual guides and leaders in your life to help guide you into the plan of God and into the path of God so that you can do what God has called you to do. And you can discover the will of God. And they're going to help you discover that. Like my uncle will say, man, you're really good at this. And I'm like, really? I thought I was terrible at that. Or, Hey, you're doing this really good. You should do this more, or you should not do that. You should try this. And they're going to help guide me. Cause the, the plan of God is always unveiling. Like every week, every day I'm saying, Lord, I want to see what else is your plan. Like I'm not content, bro. I'm always trying to do new things, new stuff, new. Cause I want, I want God's call for me. I want, I want everything God has for me. And so it's an ever evolving, ever unraveling plan it's not just a one-time thing. It's a constant thing that God's going to ravel. And God will use other people for that as well. That's absolutely right. You know, Jesus said 
said it the best way. The the servant is not greater than their master, nor mm. the student better than their teacher. See, when God puts a teacher into your life, it's so that you can learn the tricks of the trade for where it is that God has actually taken you. Just like Isaiah said, think about think about if you were making minimum wage, but you had this desire in your heart to be a billionaire. Do you want to plug in with the manager at a Starbucks or do you want to plug in with a with a millionaire or a billionaire? Someone that knows the tricks of the trade. It's important to have those spiritual mentors in your life because they do see the blind spots and they actually, they're put there so that their ceiling becomes your floor. So that you can actually, boom, launch off of their platform. That's the whole point. They're a rubber band. I think about Ricky Bobby, right? Shake and bake, baby. They're there to rubber band you past Come where on. it is that God's already taken them. That's if they're a good mentor. If they're humble enough, that's their objective, to get you to go further than what they ever accomplished. But there's also, and I'll share a funny story here, there's a great key when it comes to having spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers in your life. There was a transitional period in my life where I had just given my life to Christ, and I'm going through this sanctification process. And uh, and my spiritual father, he said, Taylor, you know, you remind me of Samson. Like the only things, and this is what he said, I feel like the Lord told me the only things that will hold you back is alcohol and women. If you stay away from parties and you stay away from women, you'll walk into what it is that God has for your life. And I remember that there was like two weeks that I didn't plug into him at all. And the Lord will speak to your mentor, I'm telling you. And I'm sitting there and there was this one girl from my past that used to give me trouble. She was a stumbling block for me. She was she was the one that always hand me a drink. She was the one that always say, hey, let's go to this party. Let's go do that. And I hadn't seen her in months. And all of a sudden, I feel my phone begin to vibrate. And this girl walks into my apartment at the time where me and all my friends are living. And I get a text from my spiritual father at the same exact time that says, be careful with your decisions tonight, Samson. No joke. He had no idea this girl was in town. I had no idea this girl was in town. The Lord had spoken to him in his prayer time to reach out to me, to protect me from what the devil had planned for me already. So that's an example of what what can be done through your spiritual mentor. But number two, this is huge. And I feel like this just ties right into it. Prophecies, prophetic words spoken over your life are huge. And I want people to know this. Prophetic words is not the foundation that you build your direction from. They should actually already tie in to what God is speaking to you, and they should tie into the word. For example, out of Psalm chapter 105, it says here in verse 17, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, his feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put into a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Remember, Joseph didn't start in slavery. Joseph started with a coat of many colors. Joseph was betrayed and thrown into slavery after he saw a dream of God's destiny for his life. So the prophetic word spoken over jo Joseph was to be at the right hand of Pharaoh. But Joseph was not there when he started off his life. But it says that the word of God tested Joseph while he was in those chains, while he was going through that wilderness. The words spoken over your life by spiritual people, they will test you if you're willing to test them back. Hang on to those prophetic words, and I'll share another story. Right after I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, my life had drastically changed, and I went to the first spiritual atmosphere I'd ever been in where the gifts were flowing. And this man was up at the front. He was preaching a sermon, and he kept looking at me. He'd keep preaching, but he kept looking at me and preaching. He'd look at me. And I'm from California. Isaiah knows this. When, and Especially coming out of my past life, when someone looks at you that much, typically they have a problem, and you like, 
it's like it's almost like them are fighting words you know you didn't even say anything but i feel like we're about to fight (laughs) and this guy just kept looking at me and he comes up to me afterwards and he says hey i know i've never met you and i don't know anything about you but while i was preaching the lord spoke to me and he said that you're a joshua and that you're on a massive boat right now and you're taking many people into the promised land there's going to be roughy water rough waters but god is with you all the way and he's going to fulfill this in your life it was the first prophetic word I had ever gotten, and it's coming to pass right now as we speak. And I hung on to that word. It changed my life. It gave me direction. It gave me an idea of what it was that God was calling me to do. So if you have prophetic words spoken over your life, bring them into remembrance. Test the word of the Lord spoken over your life. And if you don't have prophetic words over your life, get into an atmosphere where prophetic words can flow, where God can actually flow and speak what what he has planned for you over your life. You'll never regret it. That's why Paul told them, you can run around like chickens with your head cut off, speaking in other tongues all day, but it doesn't do anything for anyone. Get in an atmosphere where there's prophecy. Get into an atmosphere where people are speaking life and direction over people's lives. And you'll find out what it is that God has planned for you. And it'll bring such encouragement and edification. And it'll teach you and show you the ropes for what it is that God really has in store for you. Prophetic words. Test them and stay plugged in with mentors. And your life will never be the same. I feel like these are very practical, very simple tips that all of you could grab tonight and go find out what it is that God has in store for you. So good. I want to touch on as well, finding your passions. This is a major way to find your calling. What are you passionate? You touched on this a bit ago. What are you passionate about? What do you love? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What do you burn for? So you have to understand when you surrender your body to God, you give your life to God, you give them Romans 12, you give them your body and you say, Lord, I'm a living sacrifice. I want your spirit. I want your power. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ. Once you start that life, The desires you start having are God's desires. So if you're passionate about blogging, if you're passionate about pastoring, if you're passionate about nursing, engineering, follow your passion. Let the passions help lead you if, now this is if, you're walking according to the Spirit. If you're not walking according to the Spirit, then your passions are going to take you to all the wrong places. But if you're walking according to the Spirit, oftentimes you have to realize that your desires and God's desires will sync up. They're going to match up. And so you're going to start getting, when the Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart, what it means is now that you have the heart and the mind of God, what God desires, you desire, and God is going to give you what his desires are, not what your desires are. It's not God's will. It's that it'd be his desires. So follow your passions. It's one thing I do. I'm passionate about reaching people. I'm passionate about waking up the church. I have no passion at all to preach in high schools. I have no passion at all to do certain ministries. I don't want to say certain ones because I don't want, you know, I don't want just to be like bashing ministries, but I'm passionate about waking up the church. Like what gets me out of bed in the morning is when someone comes up to me after service and says, brother, I've been in church for 30 years and I've never experienced the Holy Ghost. And today God became alive to me. Or brother, I've been in church for 20 years and I've never set anyone free. I've never laid hands on the sick. Now I'm doing it. That That's what I live for. That's what I get out of bed for. That's what we do. This is why we do all of our stuff. This is why when I'm tired and weary and just got on preaching, 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 I'll get on here with no voice and I'll still preach because I know that today God is waking people up. I know that today God is speaking. Revival's breaking out as we preach. There's 3,000 of you watching. Something is changing in the spirit. Something is happening in the supernatural realm. And that's what I burn for. Now, some of you, maybe it's something else that you're passionate about. 
Maybe you're passionate about feeding the poor. Maybe you're passionate about street evangelism. Maybe you're passionate about cars. I don't know, but God will use your passions for his glory, for his kingdom. He'll take your gifts, he'll sanctify them, and he'll use them. I wanna say one more thing of a key to finding your calling is humbling yourself. Listen, there is one thing. If you're like, what's the one thing that will stop me from living my calling? I'm telling you right now, it's disgusting to God. If any of my friends know me, there's only one thing that will get me to not connect with you, okay? There's ministers I wanna bring on my show and I refuse to, and I want to, cause I'm like, I know the numbers will be good. I know they could preach, but the, here's the thing, they have pride. And there's one thing, bro, of anything, I could handle a lot. I just can't handle pride. I can't stand prideful ministers, arrogant ministers. They're all about themselves, all about them. I just, it makes me sick to my stomach because I know the number one killer of your destiny is pride. It's thinking that you're higher than anyone else, that you're greater than anyone else, that you're higher than you ought to think. That's why in Romans 12, 3, Paul says, to everyone that is among you, don't think yourself more than you are or higher, higher than yourself, but think soberly. So he says, stop thinking that you're this like, the just the best there is and like everybody w wishes they could have what you have. Humble yourself, be realistic about yourself. Don't think you're better. Don't think you have more of a prayer life than you have. Don't think you're more on fire than you really are. Be realistic and be humble. Now listen, write this down. Being humble is not feeling humble because some of you are like i feel like i'm humble and you're not you're not humble so some of you feel it but you're not jesus didn't say feel humble he said be humble and humility is absolutely i'm preaching strong y'all humility is a decision you make you have to decide to be humble you have to decide to not think of yourself as this great thing or and think of yourself less it's 90 percent of your life if 90 percent of your life is thinking and planning how to make your life better and not those around you you're not humble. If your entire life revolves around you, how could I get ahead? How could I get the car I want? How could I get the ministry I want? How could I grow my stuff? Then you're not humble. If it's always about you, 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 then you're not humble. And this garbage in the church of kiss the ring and when the man of God steps in, stand up. What? You know what I do when people walk in the room that are, like I'll be in the green room and they'll say, oh, someone wants to meet you. I stand up. I get up and shake their hand and hug them and say, great to meet you. I'm so glad you're here. I humble myself because you got to realize to be great in the kingdom of God is all about how low can you go? This is a game of spiritual limbo. The lower you go, the better. There's no such thing as being too humble. Luke 14, 11 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So listen, humble yourself. Stop thinking that you're the best singer in the church. Stop thinking that you're this mighty apostle. You're this mighty prophet. Be humble. Start at the bottom. There's something powerful about small beginnings. I started in the living room, y'all. You can't get any smaller than that. So don't think that you're going to be the best or the hottest or you're going to take over. Understand that God wants to use humble people. He said, listen, if you want the greatest chair, you got to take the least chair because someone more important than you might show up and you're going to be humbled when they say, get out of my chair and go sit in the very back. So make sure that you stay humble. I've lived this way. I really feel, bro, the key to promotion is humility. I really believe the mm -hmm. reason why people say, how did this? Now I could go on for hours and teach you on algorithms and keywords and titles and thumbnails. I'm like, I'm a nerd, okay? So I get into all of it, but I, I'm telling you right now, the key component to seeing longevity, 
in ministry. I've been doing this now for a, a 10 years, a decade now, and I've seen God. I've never invited myself to go preach. I've never promoted myself anywhere. I've never asked for a booking invite. We've received 240 bookings this year. Never have I ever tried to book myself. Never have I ever called, hey, can you see if I could come speak? I'm, I'm good. Here's my highlight reel. No, I don't do none of this. I've always took the low road, stayed humble, and if God opens the door, I'm not going to say God did it when I'm the one that did it. So the, the lower you go, the better. I respond to all my altar calls. Uh, Sunday, I preached four times, and guess what? I responded to all four altar calls, and God says to do this because it'll keep you humble. So we have to always find the the humble route. We always have to take the low road. Always, always. If you're wrong and you know you're right and you're like, we don't argue. We just, we go low. If they slap us on one cheek, we turn the other cheek and say, go ahead and slap me over here because I want to keep the humble route. And so I want to tell you guys, some of you got to stay low. You got to humble yourself. You got to stay under submission to covering you got to have those spiritual mentors under you and don't think that you're better than you are. Don't think that you're the guy and like everybody, no, take the low road, take the humble route and just serve people. This is your calling. This is your job is to serve. You will not, let me end with this here and then I'm going to turn it over to you and then we're going to pray for everybody in the chat here. You will never go wrong by serving people. Let me say that again. You will never go wrong. We're giving you nuggets here tonight, guys, by serving people. Right. So here's, here's the conclusion here. If you don't know what to do, cast out demons, heal the sick, preach the gospel, do all this stuff until you figure out your specific calling and serve. Start by serving people. And I'm telling you right now, God will promote you in serving. The more you serve people, the more God will promote you, the more God will advance you because God is looking for a humble person. God is looking for a broken and contrite spirit. And the more you do that, the more God's going to use you. The moment you start getting haughty, you think you're this man of God, you have everyone kiss your ring and everyone has to, you know, you, everyone has to stand up when you walk in the room and you don't know how to treat the waiter after your, your, uh, revival meeting. That's the moment God's anointing lifts off of you. And you got to start being like Saul and faking it until you make it and start saying, Oh, you know, well, I did do what God said. And you start getting a rebellion. No. You need to be broken and humble, take the low route, and God will exalt you. I'll give you some closing remarks here, bro, and then we'll pray for the people, and we'll just ask that the Lord releases. I can't believe we've been live for an hour and 20 minutes. It's flying by tonight, but I hope some of this helped you guys. I know we've given you some specific steps to just finding your calling, but go ahead, bro. I'll give you some whatever you want to close out with, and then we'll pray. Man, I back everything that you said. And people, you got to remember with humility, it's not thinking like less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Yes. That's the key of humility. Seeing you the way that God sees you, but it's not about you. You don't live in a house full of mirrors. You live in a house full of windows that you realize mm. it's not about. I was just talking That's with our so team good. about this uh, last night. And everyone's like on the same page that it's not about our footprint. It's not about your ministry. It's not, it's not about that. It's a kingdom mindset. Just like Isaiah has been saying, you're there to wash feet. If the person or the people that you're around are not being impacted by the power and love of God, then you're probably too internally focused. But if you switch that, that's the ultimate form of humility. And I really think humility is represented so well when, when you access faithfulness. If you want to know the thing that really moves the heart of God, it's faithful. Be faithful with the little that you have. When God gives you one talent, don't bury it. Be faithful with it. Be humble and understand, whoa, you know what? I got a church of six people in my living room, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to believe that God is a multiplying God. I'm going to receive it and just bless God for it and thank you for it and watch how he'll multiply. Watch how he'll exalt that. That is the power of it. And I actually have a testimony of it. I remember... And I mean, I've been preaching for, for a couple of years now, but I'm, I'm 25. I'm nowhere near where God's taking me. I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I, 
I'm so far down, it's, it's it's not even funny. People see the numbers, but you don't understand. It's not about the numbers. I couldn't care less about the numbers. Take away TikTok. Take away social media. I do not care. It's it's all about Jesus. But what I noticed was that when we began to birth this church, which I can share on later before we get off, when we were getting ready to birth this church, the Lord spoke to me clear as day. He said, I want you to offer to be the door greeter of that church. He didn't say, I want you to offer to be behind the pulpit. He didn't say, I want you to offer to be the guy that leads revival. He didn't say, I want you to offer to do anything else. He said, be the door greeter. And I didn't know it was a scripture. I had never heard it before, but there's actually a scripture that says it's better to be the door greeter in the house of the Lord than to dwell with the wicked. It's an actual Bible verse. I didn't know it, but I offered it right away. I said, you know what? I want to be the door greeter. Make me the door greeter. Check this out, everybody. This is a true story. Within two weeks, God had already raised up another individual after I had been the door greeter to take my spot. And when he took my spot, God put me behind the pulpit and gave me an opportunity to preach. God will test your heart with faithfulness to check your humility. In Luke chapter 2, there was a prophecy over Jesus' life. And the prophecy said that he will offend the minds of men to expose their hearts. See, God will allow your mind to be offended in order to to expose your heart. That's why if a man of God walks into a room and no one says hi to him, God will do it on purpose to check his heart or his mind to check out where his heart is. When God tests your mind, he's actually looking to check your heart. And when he sees that your heart is faithful, that you're humble, that it's not about the numbers and it's not about your footprint, God will skyrocket you. And you won't have to promote yourself. You won't have to put yourself on flyers like Isaiah said. You won't have to promote yourself. People will promote you. God will promote you. And I'll tell you what, God is a much better promoter by his spirit than you ever could on Facebook. God will promote you like crazy and God will take you from slavery like he did with Joseph to the right hand of Pharaoh in a short number of years. God can do that. No man can do that. No algorithm can do that. Only God can do that, but he will check your heart. He'll test your mind to expose your heart. And when your heart is pure, God will take you on. Think about think about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are pure in heart because they will see God. They will see God move in their life. They'll see God act on their behalf. God will test the purity of your heart. And when your heart is pure, there's nothing that can get in the way of what God will do for your life. So be encouraged today. Understand these practical tips. They will work in your life. They worked for us. They'll work for you. God is no respecter of persons. Get plugged in with a mentor. Make sure that you humble yourself. Seek the Lord. Pray fast. And remember that God has a great, great plan for your life. If you'll just seek him, he'll expose it to you and it'll be the most fun life you've ever lived it's promised to be an abundant life when you plug in with jesus absolutely and i want to say god is not hiding his plan from you i used to think this bro all i wish someone would have told me this man i was like god is hiding it why does he want me to know he's not hiding it he's he's wrapping it up like a christmas present the same reason revelation the word revelation literally means the same thing that you wrap your kids presents on birthday or christmas what's the point of it the point is to see the joy on their face when they unwrap it so your destiny god hides it or wraps it up so that he can unveil it when you seek him if you're not seeking god don't get mad that he's not showing you your destiny tell me like god why don't you show me god's like i don't even know who you are you never spend time with me so as you seek the lord as you spend time in his word in his presence you become like him you automatically begin to re- realize the plan of God. And then all of a sudden, you're five years into walking out your destiny and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize I'm walking in my destiny. 
I'm doing what God has put me on this earth to do. And it's all because I've been seeking God. I've been walking with God. So bro, let's pray over the chat. I'm going to turn it to you. Let's pray that the Lord would just reveal their destiny to them, that God would touch them with the Holy Ghost and that they would just, the plan of God would be revealed the same way he's revealed it to me, the same way he's revealed it to you. Let's just pray a blessing over them. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you're opening the eyes of the spiritually blind, that you're opening the ears of the spiritually deaf, that you're removing the hardness off the hearts of those that haven't been able to hear this message. Lord, I thank you that by your spirit, you reveal your plans and your purposes, that you establish the steps of men. I pray that you would reveal the steps that you have according to your word for every individual on this live stream right now. And if there's anybody on here that needs to be knocked off their high horse on the road to Damascus, I pray that you do it now, that you'd remove the scale off of their eyes and reveal to them what it really is that you have in store for them. If they're going in the wrong direction right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you correct them and you put them in the right direction. If there's anybody here that has doubt in their heart, Lord, I cast the spirit of doubt out in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would put a, put a furious and ferocious confidence in them that they know that you are willing to use them. Remind them that your word says that your eyes look to and fro across the whole earth looking to show yourself strong to just even one person that's willing to plug in with you. So Lord, I pray that you would open up the minds of those that are ready to be used, that are ready to yield to your spirit, your sons and your daughters. Empower them today with fresh oil, new wine, new wineskins, and a fresh fire in their bones that they could leave this live stream never the same. I pray that you just lay it out for them this very moment, what it is that you have in store for their life and unwrap that gift according to your word in Jesus' mighty name. Yes, Lord, we just pray, God, that you would release supernatural dreams and visions in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that you would release destiny, God, the same way you spoke to me and my brother. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you desire to speak to them, God. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, the calling, the destiny, the plan. And I hear the Lord saying that there's a new season. Many of you are starting a new season. And God says, I will be with you in this season just like I was in the last season. You maybe are moving from a different job, different college, different state, and God says, I will go with you. I'm not gonna leave you because you're going somewhere new. I pray, Lord, that you would be with them in this next season. Reveal yourself to them in dreams and visions and revelation, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, divine encounter. We pray your presence. We pray your fire. We come against every plan and every strategy of the devil in Jesus' name. Satan, you are bound and you are powerless and you will not have your way in these people. In their families, the plans are broken. In their marriages, the plans are broken. In their churches, the plans are broken. Satan, we already have you on notice. We're not playing games with you. We destroy your works. We destroy your yokes by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus breaks the power of the curse. So I, Father, I just pray right now that every plan would be confused. The same way you confuse the camp, of Gideon, when Gideon fought those men, I pray you'd confuse the camp of the enemy. You'd confuse the plans of the enemy that the demons wouldn't even know what to do because they're confused, they're blinded. I just pray, Holy Ghost, that you'd have your way right now in Jesus' name. Satan, you're defeated. Stop in Jesus' name. You have no power. You've lost. You are a literal loser in Jesus' name. The battle's been lost. And we pray, Holy Ghost, that you would have your way. I even pray, I felt the Lord saying this, destiny over our children. 
I have four little girls and I pray that they would fulfill the destiny and the calling that God has for their life that I honestly don't even care if my if none of my kids go to college but they all end up on the mission field that's my dream I don't want them to live the American dream I want them to live God's dream so I pray Lord that you right now would release destiny over our children in Jesus name I pray you'd release calling over our children I pray Lord when you call our children they wouldn't ignore your call. They wouldn't put you on hold or on or uh, you know uh, on the back burner. But I pray, Lord, that they would seek you. Come on, right now, pray for your kids that they would seek you, that they would know you, and that they would fulfill the call. So I pray, Lord, guard them, guide them, protect them, anoint them, God. Every strategy of the enemy of our kids is broken now. They will not get locked up. They will not get pregnant in their teenage years. They will not fornicate. They will not be addicted. But every battle we fought, they won't have to fight. We cut the head off of Goliath tonight. We break the generational curse in Jesus' name, and we just pray, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Have your way in Jesus' name over our kids right now. Anoint our children. The anointing of God, I speak it over your kids right now. Come on, speak it over your kids. The anointing of God. They are called. They are chosen. Satan, get your hands off them now in Jesus' name. You've lost the battle. You've lost your power. We are warriors. We are intercessors, and we're not going to stand by. Well, the devil takes our kids captive in Jesus name, Lord, send your angels according to Hebrews chapter one to minister to our families, to minister to our children, to minister to our, our friends. Lord, I pray right now, send your angels, God, and do this work in Jesus mighty name. We pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Guys, type one in the chat. If you were blessed tonight, I want to challenge you guys. We're not getting off yet. His channel is linked down below. You can go follow him, subscribe. He started getting on YouTube more and I'm going to be helping him as well and talk about how we could utilize the YouTube platform. We need as many soldiers as possible. I'm trying to get everybody on YouTube, bro. I'm like, we need backup over here, but we're going to take over YouTube for the glory of God. Make sure that you subscribe to his channel. Also, I want to challenge everybody to sow something if you're able to. Now, if you don't have any money, if you have $10 in the bank, don't give your last $10. But if you can afford to give, I want to challenge you. Sow into the ministry because I want to bless. He's not asked for nothing. He doesn't want anything, but I want to bless my brother tonight. So please, we're not twisting your arm. We don't need to go on some long sermon of, if you sow, we're not doing all that. Just sow into the ministry. The link's in the comments and the link's down below. And later on, I'll put them on screen so that I can bless my brother. Is there any closing things or anywhere they could follow you or any announcements you want to make, any events you want to just promote? Yeah, definitely. I mean, first and foremost, thank you so much for the offering. God bless everybody that sows the seed, man. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.